You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and today we're talking about how doing your personal work will positively influence your marriage work. So it's all about self-care today and hello season four of this podcast. I'm so excited it's here. We are going to be covering so many different topics. This is the one season I will probably have all of the whole year planned out because I'm going along with my Enneagram Glow Relationship Planner. So this is going to be a fun year. Whether you have the planner or not, we are covering topics of self-care. We are talking about romance. We are going to be going through two different months of conflict because I have that in the planner. We're going to be going over intimacy. I have some great guests. We have Elizabeth Bennett from Enneagram Life coming on. We have the One Six Glow coming on. We have a wonderful couple marriage puzzle coming on. And just it's going to be a great year as we talk to so many different people and Me and Jen are going to be doing some of the shows. I cannot wait for you to get to experience with me step-by-step all the different ways we're going to talk through marriage and Enneagram this year. In the next few weeks, you're also going to be hearing us start talking about our deep dive guides. We are really close to the very final pieces of those, and we're doing extra podcasts to go through every single one of the Enneagram types on a deep dive. So not just the type, but the type in relationship. So whether you heard the shows from season one or not, you know that we have just dug deep and this piece and this podcast series, all of it was inspired by my Enneagram Marriage first round of certification students. Love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited. Uh, They had to experience the SH, I won't swear because I want to keep the rating on the show, but first drafts of these deep dives because they asked me to create them during the class so we could keep going on our class. And I did, but I told them, you know, these are not the final products. That's going to take me a long time to get out something final. And so they've been waiting for several months. You'll be hearing more about those soon. But as you know, today is a day for self-care. So this episode is a welcome into 2022 or wherever you're listening. We just want to refresh and reuptake you with reminders of self-care and of just how much it's going to bless and help your relationship when you are taking care of yourself and the emotional, the heart center, the body center, and the thinking center. These are sometimes called the intelligence centers or triads in the Enneagram world. And I I really like to take some time to refresh you guys as we're working on your marriage so that you can bring that joy, that journey, that health, that reuptake right into your family, right into your world, right into your relationship. So this is for you. This is for others. And I hope you really enjoy today's show. I am so thankful to be on the other side of this new year. I'm glad we're into 2022. I really liked and needed my holiday two weeks off. One of the weeks was totally off. One of the weeks I spent truly digging in and finalizing our deep dives for every single type with the Enneagram and taking about half a day off. And that was luxurious. But there's something about a fresh start that I think probably every life coach really enjoys because we love those resolutions. We love when people are saying, I'm on the journey. But I do want to tell you guys that as a caveat, it's nice to be able to say, I'm baby stepping into the year. 
and reflecting is part of that. What happened last year? How did you do? And if you didn't do very well, it's okay to say, gosh, I need grace. That was a tough year. I didn't do very well. My resolutions this year are not going to be super major. They're just baby steps. That's fine. You don't have to try to take on the world because this is a growth process. And I was even reflecting on my growth from last year and writing some poetry and just doing a ton of journaling, which I don't normally get a chance to do this much like I got to do over the past couple of weeks. And really, I did see a lot of baby steps. I didn't see huge pieces of growth. I saw a lot of baby steps, though, and I was really encouraged. And Wes and I also got started on our Enneagram and Marriage Glow Relationship Planner this week. And I have high hopes for us, but I also know those are going to be the kind of high hopes that are baby step high hopes. For me, the high hopes are we're doing the journal. And that was hard enough for me because I really am a thinking type seven who kind of goes away from others and, you know, really does like to rely on myself more than anything. So I was writing this journey as much for me as for you guys in that sense that I knew that that would be healthy for my marriage to have a weekly date where we talked about everything important in our marriage. Now I have it for my clients. I feel so good about it. And we're on the journey too. So I feel a lot of hope for 20 2022 and beyond whenever you're listening. But I also want to let you know it's okay if it's like tiny little movements toward health or even sometimes two steps forward, two steps back, three steps back, four steps forward. There's a bit of a dance going on and some years are tougher than others. So give yourself grace for that. But let's move on ahead with that sense of, okay, we've done some reflecting. And even if you're just in your car right now, Take a minute to reflect, take a minute to pause, to say, okay, where have I been? You know, what hard things have I been through? What great things do I hope are ahead? That's where I want you to start off for this episode. But I also want you to realize that you can't pull out all the big dogs of change unless you've replenished. So we just, we can't say, oh my gosh, I realized my spouse and I need to work on our conflict pattern. I saw it over the holidays. It was gross. It was murky. I'm going in for the kill. Um, I hope you don't even really use the word I'm going in for the kill, but you know, sometimes we're heated and we do feel that way where we're like, I have to get in there and I have to fight this out because it's important to me. And I want you to understand what I also mentioned at the end of last year with our instincts podcast that you really do need to reuptake first, get yourself preserving, then you can head into that one-to-one and then you guys can together share your glow into the world. But first we've got to get you shining and glowing. So today's episode is for you. I want to let you know about a couple of calendar items too. We have mostly the same. A slight change in our calendar is that our February event is going to be a virtual event. I was trying to make it um, an in-person event, but we've had a lot of changes around town and we've had a huge spike in COVID in our hometown, on our staff. Wes's caseload here in Florida, so I don't want to do that for this February. We're going to have February 8th, 7 p.m however, a virtual event, Eastern Standard Time, so that you can still enjoy a Zoom Valentine's event with me. So we'll give you some details on that. But if you're in front of something you can write on February 8th, 7 p.m., a fun virtual event for you with Enneagram and Marriage. And we will continue to hope our world recovers from COVID. And luckily, lots of the cases are lighter. But we had another New Year's where Wes was on call. So I'm leaning and listening in to making sure that we we do that in the best way we can. I also want to let you know that we have our certification class for those who want to become Enneagram and 
Marriage Certified. I am starting another class and we're going to start it February 10th at 1130 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's a two-hour course. You can also take the course on demand, but I'm so grateful for all of the people who are already Enneagram and Marriage Certified. It was a joy to have another person this week turn in everything and a couple more working really hard on it still. And I love hearing from you guys. It's okay if you fall off the wagon and don't always do it on time because this is an on-demand class. But a lot of people really enjoyed attending class too and getting to know each other and to talk out their Enneagram and marriage certification issues um, just in terms of how do I start a practice and how can I connect with others? So we actually went on with not only a deeper dive class after our Enneagram and marriage certification class for my first group, but we also went on and have an inner circle now where I have a meeting monthly and a training for those who get their certification. So one more thing about that is that if you decide you want to become an Enneagram and Marriage Certified Coach or Counselor, then you can also continue learning with us or get to know the others who have already been through the course. So you can visit EnneagramandMarriage.com. We have an events tab. We also have a tab right for the Enneagram Marriage Certification course, or you can contact Enneagram and Marriage Jen at gmail.com. And that's Jen with two N's. She's going to be joining me in a couple minutes. So I just wanted to let you know, I'm excited for those events this year. I really love to help others to use Enneagram marriage for their marriages. And I can't see all the clients. So I'm so grateful to have Jen and a team who are seeing clients. But I love when my passion for helping couples and individuals is shared and people that love the Enneagram can come together and learn together about how to help others. It's literally a joy. And I love coaching itself, but I really love teaching others to coach. It's a really cool experience. So that's coming if you're up for that. So one more quick update is if you are doing the planner with me, make sure that you are really getting settled into the first week. I know that it's 2022. I know it's already going by fast, but wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, if you're doing the Enneagram and Marriage Glow Relationship Planner, this is a great week to start. Wes and I had so much fun on Friday getting to talk out, balancing our instincts and getting our date night on the calendar. We also got to talk about the areas for self-care in general, but especially we focus in on the heart this week in the planner. And he and I learned that he really is right now valuing more words of affirmation from me. And I was typical as I almost always am that our quality time date nights mean a lot to me. So we knew that the teenagers would have lots of things come up. And sure enough, one of them already said, I've got a birthday party we can go to on Saturday night. And I had been prepared because Wes and I had Saturday and Sunday night ready for the date night, knowing that the teens would have an important and good event. It wasn't like they're being spoiled. We just want to have family balance. It was so good that we sat down and we said that. We also realized I had forgotten to schedule my son for soccer and and it's just one of those times when you can say, okay, what do we need to do for the family calendar? What do we need to do for us to be healthy as a couple? And even individually, we spend a lot of time this month on self-care in the planner. So Wes realized that he does really need his daily self-care and he was challenging himself to get back to it because of course, being a busy practitioner, he even had the on-call. There's a lot of COVID, as I said, for New Year's and it's just 
you know, it could take up all his time to, to really just care for others. And he's a social one wing too. So he really could spend all his time on others. And he said that he's nicer and kinder to me when he's getting self-care. So we've already made huge, huge things happen from one week. Just these insights that I didn't know or you know couldn't have really expected. And I just want to encourage you guys, if you're doing that with us and it's not happening that quickly, just let it be at your pace. Sometimes you're just doing something on your own and your spouse takes a lot of time. And I know we're going to be like that this year because it's my planner. And some of you signed up for my deeper dives where you're like, okay, I am going to be doing the planner with Krista and getting her additional weekly emails. And you can still sign up for those if you want to join that deeper dive on the planner. But either way, I'm deeply diving in and I just already have to expect that my fixation as a seven is planning. So I've already had to wrestle with what if there's some weeks West doesn't want to do this. And I have really wrestled with just seeing myself try to control that and to be mean about it. And I've had to face that and say, nope, you're going to let him do this the way he wants to do it. And you're going to do it in your healthy way, which means for me that I'm going to do the planner each week because that's what I'm excited about. And it's my joy and I want to. But I just want to give you that caveat if your spouse isn't quite as excited or if you're the one who's not as excited. Try to have some grace. I think Wes will want to do it each week, but I have to realize he might not. And there might even be weeks where we're just not on the same page at all. So give us some grace, right? That's the whole point of this year is, you know, whatever your word for the year is, if you have one or whatever you're working on in your marriage, I think we just have to remember grace is a big part of it. Last year, we talked about pausing and this year grace because we're we're not going to overly try to fix or plan for our spouses and ourselves. We're just going to allow God to to do what he's already doing in our lives if you're a person of faith. And what I can control, I'll try to do with grace. And what I can't control, that serenity prayer really applies. So that's what I hope for you guys. Otherwise, in the year's plans, I think we just need to get ready for our combo with Jen about the three areas of self-care in particular is what we can do. But I just have to say one more thing that this is going to be a Lord of the Rings year because in September, Amazon is starting their billion dollar Lord of the Rings saga. It's going to be bigger than Game of Thrones. So I am expecting a lot of you to join me in Lord of the Rings this year. I don't know. I can't be too presumptuous. As I said, I cannot be the over planner, but I'm not going to be surprised if some of you are major LOTR fans by the end of the year. So <laughs> that's something you might want to do is you might want to get your movies on. You might want to start reading the books. Just saying. So anyway, we're going to bring Jen on now and I hope you guys really enjoy getting your reuptake and your self-care as you start out your year together. Gosh, I'm so glad to have you here, Jen. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. I can't believe it's 2022. Oh my gosh. How weird is this? This is insane. I am so grateful that we made it through a couple of crazy years, huh? Yes, for real. That is definitely what I was thinking. And I'm just hoping that this year is just going to be a lot smoother for people. Mm, Me too. I really do. And everyone listening made it too. So happy new year to you guys. We are so excited to be working with you on a self-care journey because we know that we do better work in our marriages when we are feeling better about ourselves. Completely. I think that if we are doing the work ourselves, then we can do the work in our marriage and it's so much better for us in the long run. 
Oh my gosh, me too. So Jen and I are going to share a little bit about our stories and I'm going to give you guys some tips for your self-care today, as you know, in your head, heart, and body. So we're going to just start with sharing a bit of our story. For those who don't know mine, I'm going to condense it if you do know it and try to give you some new angles too. But for those who don't know, self-care was a really big part of my journey. I don't know if you knew that, Jen. Not so much. I'm actually really eager to hear it because I know how you met your husband, but I don't know about all of the self-care and what you did. So please tell us more. Yes. So I was that typical fast paced, aggressive, assertive type growing up. And I was running, running, running through kid years, through I'm bored kind of middle school years to finding activities and sports. And, and then later lots and lots of work to keep me busy. But eventually at about age 30, it all came crashing down on me. And that's about when Enneagram experts often say, if you're running, running, running and not stopping, or even if you're not running, but you're more hiding or you're withdrawing or you're, you're criticizing whatever you're doing too much of in an unhealthy direction, that's going to find you out. So literally right on point at about age 28, 29, 30, I started to feel really weird in my body, just weird sensations, anxiety, panic. Have you ever had anything like that to where you kind of know what I'm talking about? I experienced the same exact thing. And Mm. I thought it had to do with the fact of having kids. I thought having kids was just going to completely disrupt my life and who I was and what I knew. And that's what I thought it was. Yeah. Well, being in a medical family, my husband is in family practice and he learned this too, because he went through it at that age as well, that that's extremely common. So when he was studying in medical school, he was able to say, oh my gosh, everybody at these ages kind of goes through some sort of an awkward dance right here. A lot more people come in for, it's just, it's an awakening. Like I can't believe I'm mortal. Life could end. This is scary. I'm a for, for sure bona fide adult. So a lot of our listeners are right in this age group. And I just want to normalize for you. If you're there and the strategies you've been working with haven't been working. And you said you experienced it right then too, Jen. I experienced the same thing. And I just chalked it up to having twins and being Mm. so busy with two little babies and, you know, stopping my career completely that I thought, you know, I was losing myself. I didn't know who I was and I was consumed with babies, but now I know it's completely normal. So That's very reassuring. Thank you. (laughs) It is. But we also have something we still have to do about it because we don't want to sit there for too long. And I know you don't either as a self-preserving one. You're like, no, thank you. No. And that's interesting because that's when I really dug into personal growth and development. And that's when I was like, I really need to make time for this and prioritize it. Yes. And I think that a lot of us need to be aware that a lot of well-intentioned people will grab you in times like this and twist you and turn you in all kinds of directions for whatever they're studying, researching. And it's a really important time for people to, if you have any kind of relationship to Enneagram six, to really do your own work here and not just pull out and trust authorities and ones and twos need to listen to that too. I don't mean that we have to be skeptical of authorities. I just mean, this is a time in life when a lot of people took advantage of me at least. And I'm a pretty logical person, but just to, to say you have what I do for a specialty. So I went to lots and lots of different doctors. We had great insurance and really nothing came up, but now knowing this research, it was 
it was helpful to learn it and to finally hit a really good person who was more holistic, integrative. And she said, you know, I think what you're struggling with is just stress and anxiety and doing way too much. So that was helpful. She was on my team. I happened to be a therapist at the time and she was our psychiatrist, our practice. And so she was able to help me to say, I don't think you need a psychotropic med in this season of your life. I think you just need to chill out basically. So (laughs) I'm glad you did your research too, but I really want to help those listening, whether you're in your twenties, thirties, even a lot older than that. I really want you to get the sense for looking and trusting people, looking for guidance from people you trust, and especially listening to your own growth process to figure out what to do next. Did you do some of that, Jen, on your journey? I was thinking the same thing about intuition. And mm-hmm. I think for me, who as a one, as a gut type, I frequently ignored my gut. I'm looking back now and I'm, I ignored it. I completely did. And now I'm so much more in touch with it, that that's the first thing I hone into. And then it's going to the people that I trust, but I think it's paying attention to our instincts and then trying to get into our other areas. So for me, it's getting into my head and really thinking clearly and then getting into my heart. So I can access all those areas to get a really good understanding of what's going on. That's very important that you just said for you, there is an order to it that, you know, you're first going to process with your body, but you have to really be in your body and then you can get to the heart. And then hopefully lastly, you can say, what, what does logic tell me? And so these tools helped me and they helped you to get where we needed to go. And we want to help our listeners to get there too. And of course, like I said, there was a helpful guide on my journey to give me some tools as well. And I really trusted her because she had already done so much good work with lots of my clients before. And she often did prescribe them meds. So when she said, I really don't think you're struggling with this. I really felt awesome. Just knowing, okay, she had me do a vitamin C cleanse. And then of course, on top of that, I took my own kind of inner dialogue, what's happening within me. And I realized, as I've said on past podcasts, I was just doing so much. It was a ludicrous amount of output. And those who know me well, including Jen, know I still do a lot. So can you imagine me doing even way more than I do now? Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. You must have been so overwhelmed and I can totally relate because I did and sometimes do the same exact thing. So praise God that you had that person to speak into you and to tell you that you were doing too much and to slow down. Yes. And she really was helpful to just take a different approach. So I love when our listeners can do some of their own work and then also look for that helpful guide. And maybe this episode is that guide for you to say, I want to get into wellness. I want to get into self-care. What can I do? So we're going to walk you through some of that, but how it affected my marriage. And then we're going to hear from Jen a little bit too, with hers is Wes was able to at first kind of just watch me do my process and watch me come out of that crazy scene. And he challenged me to work hard, but he also didn't really understand it because he hadn't hit his quite yet. So as I said, he hit it, but it was a little bit after I did. So when he finally hit that mode, I could help him through it. And something that stands out in our story is when I was getting really good self-care our marriage got so much better because he was super stressed going through his process. And he literally looked at me. I can still remember where we were standing in Florida near the ocean. And he said, how are you doing? Okay. When things are so stressful. Mm -hmm. And I said, because I'm taking really good care of myself and getting really good self-care. 
And that way I have enough replenishment and refreshment to do everything I need to do. And it doesn't mean that I still don't struggle, but it was a really pivotal moment in our lives. And I will not go back to those old crazy days of doing that much. So it was helpful because when one falls down, the other helps them up. And at that time and in that moment, I was able to help. So that was a really cool way that self-care influenced our marriage and gave even my spouse permission to do his own work. So what about you, Jen? Well, I can have a very similar story to you and exact same thing happened when I went through those years where I felt lost. I didn't know myself. And it was, I had three young babies under two and I was very overwhelmed and I was trying to do things very perfectly as a one. And that was just, I was failing and I was doing it at the expense of myself. So I was physically exhausted. I was mentally drained. And it just became too much. And I said, I have to dig into my self-care. And once I started doing that, I started figuring out what I needed. And I created really strong rhythms and routines that I have not veered away from. I have stuck with them for so many years. And they have actually come to the same point that you just described with your husband, where my husband um, decided to make a huge career shift last this about seven months ago. Mm-hmm. And he was struggling with the same thing, not knowing himself, not, you know, doing any self-care. And he turned to me and he said, okay, I'm ready. Like guide me. I've tried to guide him for, you know, 10 years. And finally he oh. was ready. And so doing that and helping to guide him to find some self-care and to take breaks has imp- helped him through it, but also has greatly improved our marriage. And it's amazing when we're both doing our individual work, how strong we are together. That is a beautiful testimony to this work because so many people think that if you do the self-work, which I always start all my marriage programs off, whether you're in our planner with us, whether you've done my relate or my release program, you know, I always start you off with a season of rest and refreshment because I just know you cannot pull out the big apps and do the big problem solving work together as a couple, unless you've had that. And if you got to hear the last episode, you know, I said self-preserving time first and then one-to-one time, and then your social giving is so much better and greater. So I really want everybody to be thinking about what, where they're at with this, because like I said, a lot of our listeners are in this stage of self-discovery and they might be hitting huge walls in their marriage. And so be patient with your spouse, if they're not where you're at yet, but be a teacher to them. Or if you're in a single person, you can just get this going now to where you'll never let go of certain things. As Jen said, now you have rhythms that you don't vary from, which is so cool. Yes. And I was just thinking, I was speaking with a client earlier today and my recommendation for her was to go ahead and do your self-care work and lead by example. And your husband may not be ready right now to join you on this journey, but he will see what you're doing and he may follow you or he may at least notice the changes making and then want to make the same change. So I think it's so important just to go ahead and do what we need to do for ourselves. And it's going to benefit our marriage either way. I think that's so cool that you just said that because that's the risk. People are always like, oh my gosh, though, I don't want to wait. And it's like, it's not waiting. It's active because you're replenishing and you're less codependent when you're starting off your year in this healthy way or whatever time of year you're listening, you're really saying, okay, you know what? Like I have to get back to health on my own. What do I need to do? And it's scary at times to do that away from your spouse. 
but I'm not saying hide it from your spouse. I want you to let them know what you're doing to a reasonable point. I don't want you to say it to make them jealous that if they're out working a 12 hour shift, you don't just call and say, look, I'm lollygagging by the pool right now. You know, like that's mean, but if you can just let them know in ways that are respectful when you're taking some time, I think that makes a big difference. And some of our Enneagram types like fours and ones and twos can struggle with jealousy and not understanding that. So it is important that you don't throw it in their faces, but it's also important that you do it and understand it's going to bring them joy. The joy you come back from the gym with, or wherever you were at getting your self-care you bring that to them and now they're a lot happier and they're like, Oh my gosh, my spouse is in such a good mood. That's exactly what I was thinking. And I think it's also important to share that with your spouse. You know, my husband knows if I don't get my exercise that I'm, I'm going to be a little anxious. I'm going to be a little antsy. And so he says, okay, go for your run. Even when we're on vacation or go to the pool and go swimming. And he knows that I will come back feeling a lot more relaxed and just better in general. And so I've shared that with him so much that he knows that. So he's no longer jealous or resentful, but he's, you know, understanding. And then I do the same plan because I know what fuels him. So it's getting to know what works for your spouse and then giving them permission to do that. Not even permission, knowing that it's okay for them to do that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that, that it's okay because some of them also never grew up. And if you've ever gone through my release program, something I always ask couples to do is to reflect on what rest looked like growing up. And a lot of the couples that I've walked through this journey with, they say, we just weren't allowed to rest. I know my grandmother who's Croatian, and that's the one culture I really do feel like I was raised with. I would go and lay down because my mom was very nine-ish at the time from a lot of mental health meds, or maybe that was her type. And she was very peaceful. So she would let me go lay down and dream. And my eight dad went into his five kind of layer a lot and went to read classic books. But when I went to my grandmother's home, she had been in the depression and she said, what are you doing laying down and lollygagging? This is unacceptable. So that became a message that I internalized, I'm not allowed to rest. And I spent a lot of time with her. So I had it a little bit more than some of the other people in the family from that extra time. So it's a valuable thing for you to just ask your spouse, Hey, what was rest like for you? And some are going to say, actually we rested too much. So I love just plugging in with some practical questions that are curious and not condemning. Yes, I completely agree. And that's a great question that I've never asked my spouse. And I'm going to do that exact thing because I'm curious what rest was like for him. Because for me as a one, my inner critic is always telling me to do more, to be perfect. And so I have to force myself to rest. And the only way that I've learned to justify it is when I hear, you know, a podcast or read a book that tells me the benefits of rest that gets me to slow down and it works. And so if I hear about how I'm going to build more muscle by resting, then I say, okay, that's a rule. I'm going to follow that. And that works for me, but I know not everyone is like that. And so for my spouse, I think rest is going to be very different. And I really need to honor that and know why, how he feels about rest. I love that. I love that you're going to dig. And I want our listeners to do the same thing with their spouse, because you could come from, like you said, something really important there, Jen, that you come from a place of you're in this space now, at least I hear you're not going to judge 
what his story is like, even if it's different from yours, even if he's like, oh no, I go by intuition. I can sense in my body. Or if he's like, no, I read a book. I need to do it. You're going to let him tell you what rest looks like. You're going to trust him for that. Yes, exactly. And that is, I think is so valuable. Mm -hmm. I do too. And I think it gives our spouses permission to be themselves versus not walk on eggshells with us, which in marriage, I was just watching a funny show last night with my husband, the new Jim Gaffigan comedy and whatever you're watching, there's always little references about hiding from your spouse and running from them because you're scared and you're walking on eggshells. So this just gives you guys a little bit of a chill point to say like, Hey, how did rest look like for you? What did it look like? And now let's figure out what our rhythms are this year, because we're going to need this to be one of our rhythms. And so we're going to need all three areas of self-care. So I love that we just shared how it benefited our marriages. And I know now we're going to share a little bit about some tips for you guys. So we want to give you three tips for self-care in your body, your heart, and in your head. But I also want to make sure you guys know that you can't take them as exact because everybody is so nuanced with all the different DNA running through us and neurons. You really can't expect that the exact things we both suggest are going to be the the only tips for you or the exact tips. I want you to play with them, see what works, see what doesn't work. Anything you want to add to that, Jen, as we get ready to share some tips? Yes. I was just thinking when it comes to all these self-care things, it's so interesting that self-care for me and my body might be um, work to someone else. So for me, I'll just say that my body self-care is exercise and movement, whether it's walking, running, lifting weights, any of it, that really helps me to work through my anxiety, to keep my energy up. And that to me is taking care of my body. I know people who say the exact opposite, that even though exercise is good for them, they know that it depletes them. And so they prefer much gentler things like yoga or just slow walking. And that's wonderful too. And it's just interesting how everyone is so different. Like you said, when it comes to all forms of self-care, we really need to test things out to see what works for us. Mm, Thank you for reminding because both of us here like it kind of busier in that way. So this is a great reminder for everybody listening, even if your self-care in the three areas just don't look like us, no worries at all. Um, And if you have our planner, you know that we have in week one, we're going to be focusing in on heart center and then the other two centers after that. So um, we really try to balance them all out on the last week of the month. And some of you are doing the planner, some of you aren't, but I want to let you know that on today's podcast, we're just going to give you some tips for all of the centers. And um, if you have the planner, you also have places to fill in for date night, scheduling rest, important appointments, instinct balance. And so we really want to make sure you are are just tracking at your absolute best capacity this year and finding your balance. So with the heart, what do you feel like, Jen, has been so important? You gave us a little bit of a window into it already, but with your heart work, what's something that has been meaningful to you in the self-care area? So the heart is not somewhere that I access very easily. I have strong emotions and I've definitely learned to recognize my emotions much better than I used to. And so for me, it's just slowing down and just taking time to think. And a lot of it for me is doing prayer and I am striving right now to become better at meditation. So that is my big goal for the new year. I know you want to talk about goals and I just want to share that now that I think meditation is the time where I can really access my heart 
and I can spend some time. I'm not great at still at it, at keeping that focus, but I'm trying so hard. And it, I think it helps me to figure out how I'm feeling and then to work through my emotions. So I use meditation mm-hmm. prayer and I also do some apps, um, some Bible apps, uh, like Bible plans on the Bible app, sorry. Mm-hmm. And on there, I pick what's ever on my heart at the moment. So I recently just finished working through one about Christmas because of the season. And I think I'll probably find one about like stress or busyness, because I know that's something I've been feeling in this season with the kids home and all the activities. Mm-hmm. And so I just go through it and I just really pay attention to what's speaking to me in that and take time to process that. So that's part of my morning routine, which is a really strong routine I've had for at least five or six years now that does not waver. It is something I do every day, regardless of whether the kids are home, whether on vacation or whether it's a weekend, I have to do it. It's so important. Wow. That's beautiful. I love that you have something going for you that, and how encouraging to our audience that it's not like you always had this. It's something you developed in the last five years and now you've stuck with it because it became meaningful to you and it changed you in important ways. It sounds like. And you know what? It's interesting because some days it can be after I exercise my sitting there, reading the Bible, doing the plans, praying and meditating. Sometimes it's literally five minutes and sometimes it's Mm -hmm. an hour. Mm -hmm. And I'm so flexible about that. But that five minutes makes such a difference as long as I do it continuously. And that's what I want to encourage everyone. Once you develop a habit, it is so hard in the beginning to stick to it. And I understand that I have been there. I am there with my meditation right now, but I know if I have some consistency to it, regardless of the time, it will develop into a habit. And that's where you get the real fruit of your labors. Oh, that's right. And I go into my heart space also in the Bible app, but I do that at night before bed when I turn over my entire heart to God. And it just helps me to feel cleansed from my day and my day's sins and all the different pieces of my life that didn't go well. And then in the morning time every day, I do have some time for prayer and meditation typically as well. And when I say meditation, it's very short spurts as a type seven. What I really have to focus on is as in my heart work, as many who know who aren't immediate heart types with themselves, which I want to say a lot of heart types don't even do this. So heart types should be listening to right now because a lot of them are serving others with their hearts. But I try to really connect with my heart and it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's a little unfortunate because I have a very busy day, but I know that if I don't do it well, then I won't have a good day. So I typically tell my kids, hang on, you know, I usually am with Wes in the morning and or the kids and saying, hey guys, like, here's good morning. What do you need? How can I show you love and encouragement? Because that's a gift I want to bring. Now I need some time to go do my heart work. And feelings do not come naturally for me because of all the different layers I've done I've gone through in my life. So it's very it's it's like people say sevens do half feelings. I would say it's even quarter feelings or less. So it's a lot of going to the five space, really trying to investigate what might be there. Do I need to make any shifts? If I do, how can I make sure to bring joy into my day? That's a huge player and a fun, refreshing thing for me to bring healthy joy into my day. But of course, doing your Enneagram work over years, you've learned, you know, at least I've learned if I just come with joy, but not lament, if I come 
at my day with enthusiasm, but no substance, then it wasn't authentic. And my thoughts are going to be all messed up. Yes, I completely agree. And I love that you said you do it in the morning at night. That is something I am working on to incorporate it at night. Oh, well, that's great. And mine is short and sweet. It's about five minutes at night. So maybe a reflection time at night is also very valuable too. Yes. A reflection time at night is a beautiful thing if you need it. And maybe some of us don't, and you are much more natural heart type than me. So you might not, I just, (laughs) I need it. So, but that's ways that we're talking about. They have nothing to do with working out. We're both just basically saying we take some time away to contemplate, to process our wounds, to speak with God if you're a person of faith and to just really go there. And it might look different for you even from what we've just shared, but those are some ideas. Other ideas I have in the planner are finding a therapist, a pastor, a doctor, make an appointment if you're feeling just off, like you really can't connect with your heart. And then of course, the last thing I want to say that I do for self-care in this area with my heart is I spend time with my husband. I really love my once a week date nights with him. I used to be religious about that when we first got married and it was to the ad nauseum point. A lot of our friends made fun of us because we didn't even have kids yet. And I was like, we need our date night. And they were like, you don't even have kids and stuff. And I'm like, I don't care. I need my date night. And so like, I don't want people to be overly strict about it. I'm kind of embarrassed about how overly strict I was, but I'm also proud of myself because we've created a good marriage over the years because I have prioritized the marriage and we do a lot of fun couples leadership things because people think of us as that couple who has put a lot of intention in. And I've personally benefited because I don't spend a lot of time in heart and I I'm kind of an other, like I'm not a people focused type as Jen knows. So once I take care of my family, you heard what I said, I move away. So for me to spend time on a date with my husband and go into the heart region is very important or we could totally miss each other all week. Yes, you are so right. And I think there are so many times that we can just fall into that rhythm of just passing by each other in the night or becoming like roommates because it's so hard to find that time to connect with our hearts. And so I am incredibly proud of you that you have been so dedicated to date night for so long, because I know that's something that can come and go in seasons, especially with young kids and circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so just that you were so committed for all those years. And now you <laughs> see the first commitment, dedication and time for the heart. Mm, Thank you. Yeah, that's your secret. You have communication and dedication and time for your hearts to really connect. You know, our minds sometimes connect on a daily basis or even our bodies, Mm -hmm. but it's our hearts that we need to make sure we're connecting with because that's probably the real secret to a lifelong marriage, right? Oh my gosh, you couldn't have said it better that that's what it is. And I will say there are some who just aren't as big for that, but I do have this secret try type four. So I need it, even though it's really hard for me to access it. It will actually hurt our marriage if I don't have that hard time. And my husband's four is just accessed in a different way as a one. He has a really nice, easy rhythm, one, seven, four. He's fine with a body connection and a thinking connection mainly. And he's like, I already experienced a heart connection with you all week. So it's not the same for each spouse. And if it's important to you to do it one way, I encourage you don't be controlling and weird, like I said, but, but tell your spouse like, Hey, maybe it isn't going to be every week out, but could we every week make an intentional time? If, if you really feel like you need that for heart to heart connection, like I do. So that's my tip. Any further tips you want to give for heart to heart marriage connection, Jen? 
I just love what you said about how everyone is going to have a different connection. And I think that's so true for me, actually, the connection is through words. And so when my husband and I connect our hearts, I need to speak. He wants more physical touch. And so we combine the both when we do our weekend coffee date or our weekly date night, if we've been not very consistent, I have to admit, Mm -hmm. but when we get that time, we, we get one or the other, at least, and I want to talk and he wants to be physically close. So we hold hands and we talk and that honestly gets a little bit of both for both of us. And then it, it, it fills our cup. And then hopefully we try to get that again throughout the week, because we both always say, as soon as we do that, we feel so much better. So let's do it more. And that consistency helps us to do it more. It builds a rhythm. I love that. It's, it's beautiful that you're brave to say that too. Um, and we're going to learn about the one, three pairing when we have Rob on the show, but I just want to commend you for that. That's beautiful that you guys are taking that courage to say the uncomfortable, vulnerable things together. And I know you bring that as a one, you, you ones can do that really well when they focus. So I love that about you. Let's talk about the body. Let's talk about what we want to just encourage our listeners with as they get ready for body self-care. As you know, this is like overdone in culture. And we all make fun of ourselves that all of us say, let's get going on our body work. And then three weeks into January, the gyms are dead again. So what do you have for some longstanding tips for people, uh, or something that's worked for you for body self-care? So one thing I've discovered, obviously, as I've discussed is the rhythms and routines, but also to do what is hard. So for me, I love, I don't know if it's because I'm a one or if it's because I have anxiety and exercise works it out, but I just love exercise. And I've gone to the point of over-exercising to an unhealthy place. And I've gone through waves of that over the years. And that has really affected my physical and mental health. I'm in a really good space now because I figured out what I need to do for my body self-care is to do what I don't want to do for me. So for me, I don't want to do yoga. I don't want to do meditation. I just don't. It feels uncomfortable and it's hard. But when I do it, oh my gosh, the benefits are incredible. I literally feel so, so I go to a place of serenity. I am so relaxed. My anger and my resentment as a one is washed away. I haven't had to talk to anyone about it or, you know, duke it out. It's gone. It's washed away. I feel relaxed and calm. And I, as soon as I have that feeling, I say, okay, when am I going to do it again? And I kind of schedule it. And so doing that really helps me um, to access my body better. And I know that for some people doing what is uncomfortable is the hardest thing to do, but I really feel as though that's when you get the most rewards. What do you think? Mm, I love that you reminded me of that because that was my big clincher for those years when it was the hardest was there was no rest. And that was what was needed for me was just laying down. And I often talk about it on this podcast, but it's still going that I need my hot baths and I need my, and I know you love those too. And I also need my micro naps. And sometimes I even let myself have more than a few minutes and really just sink into it for another five minutes, another five minutes, and just give myself that bit of peace to to say you're allowed to be tired and 
it's okay to listen to your body's rhythms. It's more than okay. It's healthy and it's good. And yet, like you, I adore exercising. I just love the way it makes me feel. And I spent a lot of time on last year's podcast and last season talking about blood lotties and the different ways that I've enjoyed uh, pop sugar and running. And now I'm back to running, but I want to tell people, and I'm running indoors now, and I have been for about three months, which is why I haven't talked about it much, but I run every single day on the pre-core, which is a lot softer on my body and joints. And that's, and I listen to my body. So if it feels injured or anything, I don't run, but it doesn't, that doesn't bother me. I don't overdo anymore like I used to. I don't really look at times at all. I just listen to my body when I'm sweating and and I, I do look at heart rate. Wes got me a Fitbit um, with a really special one because he wanted me to have all the health bells and whistles. <laughs> I'm like, honey, that's triggering for me. <laughs> so we're working on that for me to be wearing it. But he's so excited about his checking his rhythms. Um, that's his field medicine, of course. So it's intriguing to him. But really what's I think key in my body care is that I use the good self-care I get to bring great things to my clients and my family. And when I don't have that, I'm just not as awake. It feels right and good to both rest as needed, as well as to be replenished and refreshed. And I have to remember that, you know, I'm in a new season of my life where I'm in my forties now. Yeah. And I was just going to say the exact same thing. Sometimes we just have to be so in tune with our body that we know something is just not working for us. It's not serving us or it's Mm -hmm. detrimental to us. And for me, that was what I was doing. I was over-exercising and I was like, this is not good for me. And it was really hard as a one to stop and slow down. And I said, let me, what I'm doing is not working. So I have to do something different. And so doing something different made me realize, okay, this is working. This is serving me. So I can really tune into that. But what I was actually going to ask you is, both of us love the exercise and the movement. And we're talking a lot about how we have to slow down more. What about the opposite? What about someone who needs to move a little bit more and maybe needs to do exercise? What advice would you give them? Well, we've really seen a lot of progress with nines this year who are really, especially self-preserving nines and fives who go out walking. It's become, and of course I'm moving in that direction myself. I mean, walking is something that years and years ago, a doctor told me, gosh, it is just so good for you. And you and I have looked at the studies and the research. I'm sure many of our listeners have as well. And you're a health coach besides, so you really know that that is just such a beautiful place to start. And I also want to add to that because we've heard from some threes this year who have said, gosh, I'm devastated. I haven't been able to work out. What can I do when I'm down and injured? And I want to add that visualization is really important for those seasons. If you have goals for fitness, but you can't do them yet, do what you can do. Do some arm weights, do some sit-ups, do some core work, whatever you can work on. And or if you're just flat on your back recovering from a surgery in bed or something like that, then just do some visualizations of I'm taking good care of my body soon. And even while I'm resting, I'm getting the vitamins I need. I'm getting the rest I need. And this is exciting because I'm going to be so much healthier because of what I'm doing now. And if someone is in that situation, they also can hone in on their nutrition because nutrition is actually the core foundation of your body health anyway. Everyone thinks you need to exercise to lose weight. Really, you need to focus on your nutrition. And if you can just change the way you eat or even just improve that a little bit, then that's going to put you in a much healthier space to be able to exercise even better when you can get back to it. 
So we can really focus on that aspect. And also I want to just encourage everyone to get an accountability partner, whether it's a friend, your spouse, a coach, someone who can encourage you and to help you to do, you know, your body work, whatever it may be. Because for me, when I've struggled with this in the past, having someone who was going to meet me at a class, a yoga class when I didn't want to go, would put, really push me to go to the yoga class. So some people might just really benefit from accountability. Mm-hmm. And what's really important, I, I love also that you, Jen, are so great for coaching and for health coaching and, and Jen is available for new clients. So something you should know about her and I is that even though, and many people out there have a relationship to one, we would not hurtfully push you. And any coach that would, that would say like, I'm your accountability partner and I'm upset that you didn't meet your goals. That is unhealthy. You do not want an accountability partner like that, but it is nice for them to just talk with you through it and see, Hey, let's think about this together. I wonder what that was about. And it's, it's so healthy to say sometimes, you know what it was about? I just didn't feel like doing it. You know, like, let's be honest, some days there's no rhyme or reason. We're just not as good with our diets or our fitness, but to have somebody in your corner who's cheering you on, isn't that such a great feeling? And that's exactly what a coach is. A coach is someone who's going to guide you along and not someone who is going to force you to do more burpees or anything (laughs) like that. It's just someone to guide you along. And then also to help you figure out what it is you need to do. Because if you're not exercising, the question isn't why you aren't exercising. The question is really, okay, what is going to be the motivation to get you to do the exercise you want to do? And so it's really reframing those thoughts. And I think a lot of people just need a little bit of a push to be able to reframe their thoughts and to figure out, you know, what their obstacles are so they can get past them and have growth in that area of their life. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love that. So find people who will give you a gentle, sweet nudge, who will give you a lot of grace for the days that you're not in it. I know a lot of our um, clients and even people who DM in say, it's really helpful to just have uh, somebody to text them to say, did you do it today? So just re-listen to our fitness episode. If you need even more tips on body and lastly, body work, we always say massage and there's so many different ways you can, you can angle that too, to just do the deep tissue body work. If you need something deeper or you have trauma or regular huge amounts of stress. So don't forget that too. And then lastly, let's talk about what self-care can look like for the head gen, because we know some of us can get totally bogged down by our thinking. Yes. And I think it's so nuanced as well, because it's for my husband, watching a football game is total mental self-care. He turns off his brain. He's not thinking about work. He's in the game. And for me, watching TV, really anything I hate to say is just mindless. Like it's not, it's not serving you whatsoever. And so for me, if I pick up a good book and I get into that book, my brain shuts down and I just really feel like I'm taking care of myself. And so it's so very different, but it works for each one of us. So for me, reading, um, meditating when I can really get into it and writing, I have the dream to be a writer one day. It is something that I have always had in the back of my mind. And when I do take time to write, whatever I do, write, I feel that, you know, just mental self-care of shutting off the things that might be on repeat or on a loop that maybe is worry or anxiety. And I can just really focus in on what I'm writing. And so that is so cleansing for me. It's amazing. Do you do use writing for that as well? I love that. And I love your goal. That's beautiful. I do use writing as well for that. But lately, I've been writing more 
for uh, this this audience, and I really enjoy certain pieces of that. Most of the pieces I enjoy when I take my tiger time out, as Amy Porterfield called it, and I just really set it aside. It's some of my best time in my life to just write, and I I even over answer emails sometimes because I just really enjoy it so much. For instance, we have our side company, our mystery dinner game company, and. Recent, just today, I had somebody write me and ask me tips for how she can bring a mystery dinner into her eighth grade classroom. And it was such a fun thing that I just started to really enjoy writing. And I'm like, you know, you're overdoing on this email, but like, I just love writing, but I, I adore it. And then certain types of writing are not my self-care. So for instance, the writing I do for all of my Enneagram projects, including our deep dives and the glow guides and the glow planner, that is not my self-care. It's I'm in my flow. It's my goal. It's my dream job. But my self-care writing is when I do poetry. And I'm not saying I'm a great poet, but it's just, it's free flowing. Um, It's when I'm writing those, like I said, mystery dinner, absolutely nobody's mental health is connected to this. It's totally for fun. Or as you said, just reading because I have a very serious job helping couples and individuals for mental health care. So for me to do that is a privilege and a joy, but it's not my self-care. So if you're in that frame of mind with me that you love certain aspects, but you have to kind of divide up sometimes what's self-care and what's not. Make sure you do that with your head stuff because the head can be very, very full. I know a lot of our fives, they have to put their phones down. They have to stop multitasking. They have to be able to uh, figure out how to not keep so many browsers open on their brains basically and on their screens. So just keep aware of deep breaths. Keep aware of taking time out for going on a walk without the phone and that will get you out of your head and into the body and then of course for some of us it might be just a really good old-fashioned cry just I've had a long day I've been in my head all day and I just need to let it out emotionally that just reminds me of something my mom growing up would watch sleepless in Seattle over and over and over and I would say why are you watching this and she would always say I just need a good cry and it would release all of that emotion and I think for some people they have those go-to movies or shows or even books that people reread and they get that good cry out and it emotionally cleanses them and I think it also mentally cleanses them and it's so useful that's really neat. I really like that. And I I love that particularly extra because my four daughter, Hannah, also does that with that exact movie, Sleepless in Seattle. I saw her on the airplane a couple weeks ago when she doesn't really like airplane rides. They make her kind of anxious. And just to be able to have a totally different place for the anxiety in your head or the stress or the depressive feelings we get sometimes as humans, how fun that we're talking about. Some people go into a movie And I really want to remind you guys, whether it's music or movies or writing down some positive thoughts, just really explore what do you need? And it might vary from day to day. I have lots of freebies for you. I have the planner. I hope you'll work on your planner with us too. I'll leave the links in the show notes, but we really just wanted to go over that with you. And lastly, to just kind of goal set with you for this episode, Jen, I wondered if you had any goals that you thought, gosh, it would be really helpful to just make a goal and to say it out. And you've given us a hint already, but is there a goal you have for this month as you basically work out all your self-care? 
Yeah. So as a one, I am all about goals. I have so many in my mind already, but like I said, my goal for January with my personal self-care is meditation. And my husband also greatly benefits from meditation when he does it, but he struggles with finding a consistent routine. And so we're actually going to be working through the planner and discovering how we can take some time together, whether it's meditation or just quiet time. We have in the past done stretching together you can do couple stretching. I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's really cool because there's different stretches you can do, you know, pushing one another's backs or touching mm. toes, you know, face to face, something like that. And it, and it can be very short, just a few minutes, but we have done things like that in the past. And it's a good way for us to connect, you know, with our minds and also our bodies. And I think for this month, we're going to schedule a few things like that together that we do for our self-care because we're both as a one and a three going, 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 and it's things just to slow down. And we will definitely be scheduling hot tub coffee dates because those are my favorite. <laughs> oh, I am so happy to hear this. These are going to be blessings for you this month. And I hope for everybody listening, she's given you some good ideas and me too. So if you can give us these stretches for the show notes, I think that would be something I'd really like to look at in some of our listeners too. Definitely. I can definitely share those, but what are, what about you? What goals do you have for self-care month? Well, I have a goal to get organized because I spend so much time in my seven and my five arrows ping-ponging back and forth. And we've just gotten through this major writing project, as you know. So it's time for me to take inventory now. And that's going to feel very cleansing for me and be a part of self-care that I don't always do. And I talked about that last week on the episode where sometimes you might say, gosh, I love self-care and I take such good care of myself and self in one area, but neglect another. So for me, this month is all about getting organized and it's going to be, and it always is this month for me, a really neat feeling and an exhale. So I'm looking forward to that exhale of just kind of stopping some of my constant going and really just getting organized in our home. We've already started doing it and it feels great. Everybody does one thing every single day just to get us moving, whether it's a cupboard or a drawer or something more computer-based. And, and so this month, that's our way of taking care of ourselves is to get organized. Oh, that's such a great idea. I have done those. Um, have you ever done the declutter like month challenge where you print out a calendar and it has like a declutter zone for each day? I don't know no, if you've seen these I before. Haven't. Oh, they're all over Pinterest. I printed one last year and my kids are pretty young. So it's a little bit hard to get them to, you know, clean out a drawer, yes. but we have worked on it. And this morning, actually, I had them cleaning out their sock and shoe bins in the laundry room. I said, you know, clean out what doesn't fit, what doesn't have a match, all of those things. And it was funny because my daughter, who I cannot accurately say she's a one, but I strongly believe she's a one. She told me afterwards how good that felt, that her shoe bin is organized and all her socks are matched. And I said, maybe that's what we all need this month is to do a little declutter, see how it makes all of us really ready for the new year. So I like that idea that you said. I love that too. Well, guys, this is so cool that we just learned so much from each other, Jen. So thank you. And no, thank you. That was uh, awesome. You're welcome. And I am so thankful for our wonderful ENM community too. So we'll be doing this together, but thank you so much for sharing this. And again, happy new year, Jen. Yeah. Happy new year to you too. And I'm hoping everyone will come over to our Enneagram and marriage Facebook page. We are doing a lot of fun stuff over there and we are going to be working through the planner there too. 
So we're going to be talking all about self-care. And I just put up a poll today to find out what people are working on and what their goals are for the new year. And it was so awesome to hear how people are working on their career. They're working on decluttering. They're working on their health. They have a lot of new goals. So we can encourage each other and support each other over there too. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. So awesome. Okay. Well, take care, Jen. You too. Great talking with you. Thanks, Krista. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys feel so inspired to get your self-care on. I am headed over to our gym where I'm going to be my introverted self to do my cardio and my abs and my arms and just try to really enter this next stage of life with total grace, but also strength and power. So I hope you're empowered. I hope you are getting your emotional self-care on this week if you're doing the planner with us or otherwise. I hope that you are in your bodies and in your minds. And I hope that you guys will check out if you you need more resources, either our freebies at enneagramandmarriage.com to listen to podcasts there anytime you like, or just to make sure that you're getting our planner or our glow guides or other resources or saying, let me check into being an Enneagram and Marriage Certified Coach. So lots of fun stuff for you, lots of intentional work for you to do so that you can be at your absolute best for all of your beautiful glowing out there individually and together. And I will talk to you guys soon. Love living intentionally with you. 